0: So we have been going over Timothy, um, and um, we have been having quite a few great speakers come out and share their uh, understanding in Timothy. And Janet Scott set the bar pretty high, so last week I asked asked Michelle to lower the bar for us because it was getting pretty high. But they did the opposite. They they raised it even higher. So this morning we're gonna to try to lower the bar. <laughs> so Christina is gonna start first, and then I'll I'll go second. So why don't you start?
1: Yeah, I'll start. So um, this is my first time preaching a sermon, you guys. Um, I've done some Bible studies and things, but this is different for me. Thank you, Jolie. I always have Jolie's support, y'all. She's amazing. Um, When I asked Ben, so give me some advice on how to do this with someone. And he said, well, just know where to put your hands when he's talking. So thanks, Ben. (laughs) Tons of advice. Great advice. So... um, Y'all could be watching where I put my hands. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna start us off with prayer here. Thank you, God, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for our church and um, for all the people that are here this morning. I pray that you will touch our hearts, that you will give me in Israel words to speak and that um, you'll just be present with us this morning in Jesus' name. Um, So I thought my husband Was going to talk about so (laughs) anyway I I thought he was gonna give y'all some uh, references from the who has already preached so far but that's okay so we know that in first Timothy um, that we're talking on that it is Paul speaking and he is speaking to his protege Timothy and um, This, we're in chapter 6, so we are kind of summing up the whole book of 1 Timothy, and then we'll, next week, we'll, I think 2 Timothy or Titus, we'll jump into that. Um, So we're kind of summing up a lot of what has already been said, and um, so that's what our job is today. I am going to start us off in 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10, I don't have any notes this morning, but um, Chris may put something up on the screen. Um, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels and words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, and constant friction among people who are deprived in mind and deprived in truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food food and clothing in these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into the temptation and to a snare and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So we're going to talk about some light stuff here this morning. Um, So Timothy is going to Ephesus, and he's not talking, he's not the preacher going and talking to the elders, he's going and talking to teachers who are teaching this false gospel, Um, and so they are puffed up with conceit and pride, and so he's kind, Paul's kind of like keeping him like straight like this is this is what you're dealing with here these are the types of people this is the teachers that you're going to be dealing with this is what they're rooted in and they quarrel they have envy dissension they talk evil talk so um the teachers were teaching things that were um well, we don't really fully know exactly what they were teaching, but it could have been something from the old Mosaic law, which in the Old Testament, God was teaching them something, and it was good. But for where they are now, after Jesus, um, they were t- twisting words, and they were um, speaking things that weren't true. There was also a Gnostic kind of teaching that was going around where they claim to have this special knowledge. Um, And we see some of that today in in this culture. Um, And so it could be both of those. It could be one of those that was going on at that time. Uh, This knowledge that Paul speaks on later on in the chapter, or in um, in verse 20, I think. That is how we come up with, like, the Gnostic teaching that could have been going on. It's a special kind of knowledge. Um, But whatever it is, whatever that they were teaching, we know that it wasn't consistent with Jesus' teaching. Um, Jesus' teaching was healthy teaching. It was full of godliness. Um, The definition here is a teaching that is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, Teaching results, Jesus' teaching, okay, results in love and faith. It exposes sin, but it brings us to grace that Christ has given us. And we have to remember that when we're guarding our hearts, when we're listening to teachers, that we're listening for the words of Jesus. And how do we know that? By being in the word, by being connected to the word. So we know these false teachers were teaching things that was opposite of Jesus. It was a betrayal to him. Um, They had an unhealthy craving for controversy. They quarreled about words. So they weren't using words uh, that Jesus used, uh, rather opposing. They would twist the meaning and that would feed their fleshly desires. This led to envy, so jealousy in the church, so when there's jealousy in the church, there's not unity in the church. There's fighting, and there's trying people trying to one up one another. There's strife and slander, so abusive language, evil suspicions, constant friction among people who are deprived of mind and truth, and they were imagining godliness as a means of gain. So I'm going to talk about two things. Jenna um, talked about. She broke hers down into two words as well. And um, hers were hard words. Mine are easy. Mine's godliness and contentment. So sometimes that's not easy, but um, the first word godliness here is spoken 15 times in the Bible. Seven of these is in First Timothy. So I guess we can conclude that First Timothy talks about godliness all throughout and it's um, a principle that Paul is speaking on is godliness but it's not just godliness it's contentment godliness and contentment godliness true godliness we will have contentment it goes hand in hand so Paul spoke um, about two godliness here the fake godliness that leads to selfish gain the selfish gain is referring to a financial gain and we can tell this by his next point um, that money being the root of evil and i'll come back to that in a minute true godliness is a godliness with contentment that leads us to being devoted to christ a godward attitude that is well pleasing to god So when we think about being devoted to something or somebody or being devoted to God, our attitudes are going to show that we're reading the word, we're in worship, like God is first in our lives and that's how we know that, um, we have true godliness, um, that we're connected to Christ, um. Matthew Henry makes a point that godliness with contentment as a Christian is gain in itself. Imagine if we truly believe this and we truly live this out. Being content with what God has already given us. Being content in your life right now with the thing that God has given you. Imagine that is truly gain. Because you're with Christ and your contentment is in Christ. And what he has to give us is good, and we know that. Um, so money, back to money. Money being the root of evil. It was interesting, this week on Tuesday night, uh, some of you came to the Bible study that Charles and Michelle are doing on, um, what is it called? Instruments, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. It's a great book, guys. Um, it's a great study. If you haven't come to one of those meetings um, and you have time like even if you haven't read it it's really good it's really good discussion Um, so I encourage that but on Tuesday night we also talked about this so I thought it was interesting Um, so I know these scriptures get twisted in all sorts of directions but we're gonna stay in context this morning okay so God can use money as a tool to bless us with what we need God is always looking at our hearts though. This kind of greed for more than what we need can be destruction for our spiritual lives. This love of money is the root or the cause, the source of all kinds of evil because this is what we're putting our faith in. It replaces our need for Jesus. Matthew six twenty one 21 says, uh, Jesus specifically says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In fact, if you continue to read in Matthew, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus tells us to not even worry about our lives or needs. That worry adds nothing to our lives. And our command is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be given to you. If you're struggling with contentment this morning, um, I really encourage you to seek first the kingdom, even when it's hard, even when you don't understand even when you don't know where God's gonna take you. Um, I've learned that from my own life, um, learning how to be content in where in the season God has given me and where he's placed me. Right now I'm, um, well, back up. Uh, I've always worked since I've been 16 years old, been a worker. And right now (laughs) I'm working about 14 hours a week, which is really hard. Uh, I used to work like 60 hours a week, and um, God told me, to go back to school and let my husband be the provider in our family, and I have to find contentment um, in that, and contentment and not taking control of what I think, you know, um, but being in school is hard at my age, and <laughs> um, but God's gonna take me somewhere. I don't know where he's taking me. I don't know at the end of my schooling where God's gonna take me. But I can tell you, when I find contentment in Christ, there is so much peace. There's, even when we're eating rice and beans, you guys, like, there's still so much peace. <laughs> you eat rice and beans every day, you guys. I know lots of ways to make beans, just in case. Um, so just finding contentment um, in, in the thing that God has given you in the season of life that he has you in um, just brings you so much peace. We try to conjure these things up. We try to conjure up joy and peace and patience and contentment, and we can't do it in our own strength. But Jesus, God is the one who can the Holy Spirit living in your life, He can bring you that. Um, So when we love something so much, we can tend to um, allow that thing to take control of our emotions and our attitudes. Um, So our emotions flow from our heart, from the things that we love. At times, our emotions can make us act out of character. Uh, when Israel proposed to me, he acted out of character, you guys. He loved me so much. He um, doesn't like to be center of attention, even though he's up here this morning. I'm going to tell you, he likes to be in the background. He was a chef for many years, and that's where he, that's where he likes to be, is in the kitchen behind the scene where people can't see him. But um, he enjoys talking to people one-on-one. But... Um, He generally tends to stay in the background and never center of attention. But when he proposed to me, he took me to downtown, like to Kernersville Harmon Park, you know where the gazebo is. And it was in June, and it was a beautiful day, and people, or a beautiful evening, and people are walking down the street. There's cars going, and he's down on one knee. This is completely out of character, you guys, for him. Um, They're honking, say yes, say yes. And um, he acted out of character because he wanted, he desired for me to say yes to his proposal. He wanted to show me how much he loved me. Now that's a good example of our emotions acting um, on the things that we love. But have you seen that show Big Brother? I don't know the show very well but my sister who is here this morning y'all I have a twin sister and she doesn't normally go here but she's here so hi Sabrina um she has seen that she has shown me the this show before so I thought it was funny she was here and I was bringing the show up anyway uh, so people on this show act out of character uh to win money they lie they cause envy and strife among the people in in the houses right because their goal is at the end of the day is to win this money and they act completely out of character. They're fighting and there's all this drama that's going on. It's why we watch it, um, to watch the drama. Um, but it's to feed that unhealthy desire. These false teachers were puffed up and proud, believing not in the one who saved them, but rather they fell into the destruction by temptation of wealth, seeking their own desires. And these teachers, We're leading people astray. So hold fast to Jesus. Know him. Talk to him. Know the sound of his voice. Um, So my mom, she's not here this morning, but she um, was told, I guess a customer had called and complained on her. Um, And her boss knew, like, they said that she was yelling and cussing them out and like acting completely out of character. This is like not my mom. Well, her boss knew that, that wasn't Kathy. Like, that's not the way she acts. And it was by her knowing my mom, knowing who she was, what her values were, and even her character. They knew my mom well enough to know, that 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 was untrue they watched video and it's often seen that it wasn't true but um so when we know our heavenly father in that way when we know his his character when we know that when he speaks truth he he it results in love and faith and it exposes our sin and that feels ugly but it's good for us but he always leads us to grace and not shame so, know your Heavenly Father, that's all I have.
0: <laughs> wow. What happened to Laura in the bar? <laughs> wow, thank you babe, That's was really good. All right, you can sit down, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I get, I get the easy the easy chapter, so you can relax. So I'm going to read Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 16, and Chris is going to put it on the screen. If you had a Bible, you can look it up, or your phone, or you know about memory, so don't worry about it. All right. But you, men of God, flee from all these, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything in Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good confession, I charge to you Keep this command without spot or blame unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed, the only ruler, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see to him, be the honor and might forever. Amen. So Timothy is talking to, sorry, Paul is talking to Timothy here, and he's, because of all this that is going around him, all the craziness, all the false teachers, he's talking to him directly at the end of the letter and saying, all that I have been telling you is for the churches, is for the church and the leaders for you to go and talk to them, but this right here is for you. Paul didn't have any, any kids, so he looked at Timothy, as his own son, a spiritual son, that is. Um, so he, he cared for him. He wanted what was best for him. So he, he encouraged him and told him how important it is for him to stay strong in the faith. And Paul knew the importance of staying strong. I mean, Paul, you remember, he was a different person. You know, he persecuted Christians. He was killing Christians. So when he became a new person, he's, he changed. God changed him. And with that, he's reminding Timothy to stay strong in the faith. So Paul refers to Timothy at the beginning of the chapter as a man of God, which is an expression in the Old Testament referring to prophets or a man who speaks on behalf of God. Now, Paul uses this to set the scene for Timothy to understand that there's authority in Timothy's words, that he's not alone, that God is with him. What Paul is commanding him to do, it is hard. I mean, if you do, if if God asks you to do something like that today, you know, your knees are going to shake because we're, we try to do it in our own strength. But Paul, Paul is telling him, you need to do it even if it's hard because God is commanding you to do He urges Timothy, his beloved son, to flee from the destructive temptations of this world and instead to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. These virtues that mold us into the image of Christ ensuring that our hearts are aligned with His. Just like what Christina was saying, that when our hearts are pursuing these things it is easier for us to be more like Christ. You know, there's there's many temptations in this world that we live in today that it will be easier to not be a Christian. The love of Money, as Christina mentioned, makes people do the craziest things. They will lie. They will sin. They will act out of character. In some instances, it separates families. I mean, it breaks families because the love of money becomes the, something that is above everything else. And there are false teachers, there, there are false teachers in this, in this world as well that with bad theology hurt people in the process. But with, even with all of that mess, our God hasn't changed. The God that Timothy and Paul serve is the God that we serve today. He does not change. In verse 12, Paul encourages Tim to fight the good fight of the faith, to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He reminds Timothy for what he signed up for when he made the public announcement to accept Christ into his life and get him baptized. Just like many of us when we were baptized, at that moment you become a new person. Your life is now for Christ and his kingdom. And everything that you do is to glorify him. So at that moment, when you become a Christian, you don't automatically get an easy life. That doesn't mean that all of your problems are going to go away, that you're going to get wealth, that you're going to, you know, get the cars and the houses, and life is going to be cool from here. it's hard to become a Christian, especially in this world because you're going against everything else. You have to fight the good fight and remember why you're doing that. In many cases, when you become a Christian, that's when the enemy comes and tries to destroy you. And not only you, you and your family. The enemy does not want you to come to Christ. He doesn't want you to be be bringing people to Christ, to his kingdom. The enemy does not like that. He's around. If, just like when Jesus was baptized, he set an example for us. If we read Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, when he was baptized, as, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Soon after Jesus was baptized, he went into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. After 40 days and 40 nights, your body starts sort of want to eat itself up. I mean, for me, it's more like three hours, but for (laughs) Jesus, it was 40 days, so no rice and beans over there. So it was at that moment when he was the weakest of the weakest. Not only his body needed food, needed water, now it was at that time when the enemy came to him and tried to tempt him, try to get him to sin against God. Now Jesus unlike us, he couldn't perform miracles, you know. He could have made bread, he could have made water, and he was in the desert. There was no video cameras around (laughs) to say, hey, he's cheating. He could have done that, but he didn't. He wanted to set an example for us. He was a human being, and we are humans. That even in our lowest times, when we're desperate, when we don't see a way out, we need to abide in Christ. We need to abide in God. That He's the one that give us bread. He's the one that give us life. He's the only one. We don't need anything else. So at that time, the enemy came, tempted him, told him to make bread to sin against God. And, and Jesus just rebuked him with scripture. I think it's interesting. That he used Scripture to rebuke him. Now, it only took three times for the enemy to go away. After that, Jesus was like, go away. And he left quick like that. But it was, it was Scripture. And that's what we have access to today. We have it. So when we are in a time of desperation, in a time when we don't see a way out, Whatever problems we're dealing with, which there are, I mean, there's financial problems, there's health problems, relationship problems, marriage problems. I mean, you name it. We all go through this. We need to remember who Christ is, who God is, and remember where the answers are, aren't in His Word, and use Scripture to renew our faith. To rebuke the enemy. I remember when uh, I went to Mexico, um, for many of you that don't know uh, all of my story, I was an immigrant and I came here to the United States when I was 16 and at that time when I came here I was, illegally. I was illegal here. So then many years passed, I married Christina and we, she fell in love with me, could have said no, uh, so she, she pursued me. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, she remembers differently, but the way I remember it, it's way different. So we got married, and uh, we, we seek legal advice, and the advice is that I needed to go back to Mexico. And um, now, for what they told us was that since I came here illegally, I would have to go back and face a penalty. Uh, I would have to go back and they would tell me there in Mexico if I can wait there for a year, five years, up to ten years. Now, at that time we had Alina and she was, I don't know, young, three, four, uh, so it was hard. Um, you know, it, it was hard financially, it was hard to be away with them, from them. Um, so it was a really hard decision to make, to leave your family and not, not knowing whether it was gonna be, you know, six months or 10 years. Um, so we prayed, we prayed a lot, and we felt like God was saying that it was the time to do it. So we did, and um, we sold a whole bunch of stuff to make money, And I left to Mexico. And once I got there, um, they took my my passport and they said, we'll call you. Don't worry about it. Yep. (laughs) Now, in other countries, the way they do things is not like United States. Um, In Mexico, especially, it's like, yeah, We'll we'll get around to it whenever we can, basically. So then a month went by, and then two months went by, and it was getting harder and harder. And I would talk to Christina and Alina, and we were both in tears, you know, just not knowing when. It was getting it was getting desperate. So then four months went by. We started um. Asking them in Mexico, like how much longer? How much longer? They say, "Oh, just look at our website, and it'll update. Just just keep looking at it; it'll update." So every day, several times a day, we were looking at it, updating, refreshing, refreshing. Nothing. So we talked to someone here. Mm -hmm. I think it was the the senator Mm -hmm. and their office, and they started asking for us in Mexico. And um, Mexico did not like that. They did not like to be pressured. Imagine that.
1: They actually <clears throat> lost your file.
0: Yeah. So then they say, yeah, we'll just stop calling, and we'll, we'll get to it, basically. Well, it comes to find out that they lost our paperwork. In that time when we were doing this, it just so happened that they were going more digital So our paperwork and digital somehow got lost somewhere. And at that time, four months went by, and I was getting desperate. I was getting pretty desperate. Um, At that time, I could have done anything, no matter what, just to see my family, to come and be with them. Every day was brutal, but especially Sundays. I miss them, I miss my family, church family, not being able to be here and worship, not being able to be here and see everyone. It was brutal. And I remember crying out to God, like why? What did I do so bad? Why are you punishing me? And I could have done anything. And it's in those times when you get to those points, your lowest points, that you have to remember the God that we serve. And it is not easy. It is not easy. So we are reminded that the race of faith requires endurance and the trust in God. Timing and provision. My visa came two days before Christmas. We bought a ticket right away, left. I was here for Christmas. Gotta trust God's timing and provision. As believers, we must hold fast to the eternal life, though. The promise that is to us to fight the good fight of faith. God's sovereignty and faithfulness provide us with the reassurance that our pursuit of godliness is not in vain. So after you go through all of this in this world, after you fight, after you you go against the world, and the world makes fun of you for believing things that they think is, unreal, or silly, what do you get in return? What do you get for standing out for your faith? Well, in John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Paul reminds Timothy in verses 14 to keep his command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about His own time. So Paul basically tells him, just wait, just stay faithful until you see Jesus. If you don't see Jesus, just just keep doing it. But I think it's important that the letter reiterates. Who God is? Who is the God that we serve? As Paul says, God, the blessed and the one r- ruler, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, who no one has seen or can see, to him be the honor and might forever. Amen. Amen. We serve a God that is greater than the universe. The one who created everything that we see and that we don't see. The one who created you and I. And he knows us. And he helps us. In many situations. Just like when I was in Mexico. I'm sure many of you have testimonies to testify for what God has done in your life to change you, to help you, to bring you along. In the final section of 1 Timothy, Paul instructs those who are rich in this present age to embrace a mindset of stewardship and generosity. Material possessions are meant to bless others rather than to end in themselves. We're called to be rich in good works, ready to share, and willing to give sacrificially to advance the kingdom of God. See, the, the, having money is not the problem. The, the problem is the heart behind it. <clears throat> you're having money, you're using that money willingly to advance the kingdom of God. That Your heart is right with God. It's not a problem, is what you do with it. You are putting money, knowing the money is God's money. And he can use it, he can take it away, he can give you more, but it's his money. This is not our house, we're just passing by, and so quickly, 80, 100 years, it's nothing. Infinity is where we're going. Eternal life, that's what we're promised. So, this right here, don't get comfortable. This is not our life. We're just passing through. Passing through. So, use what God has given you to advance the kingdom of God your house, your job, your relationships. Everything that you have is to glorify Him, to glorify Christ. So as you go on your day, as you go into your week, just think to yourself, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to you, how He wants you to use what you have, how He wants you to be, for you to be used in, in every area that you are in whether it's in leadership, whether, whether it's in the church, or out in the store when you're out in and about, in your schools, in your jobs, that you are glorifying Christ. Let us hold fast to our faith, trusting in God's time and provisions and promises, that may our lives be marked by righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness as we run the race set before us. If I can get the, the worship team up here as we close. So, brothers and sisters, this this fight that we have <clears throat> It's a good fight. It's a worth worthy fight. As you go out and about in the world, I ask that you will stay strong in your faith to remember what Christ has done for us when he came and died for our sins. He's the one that He can help us. The Holy Spirit can guide us. And there is a reward at the end of all this. And it's a promise from God. Now, we know that God delivered all of his promises. He's a God that is alive. He's a God that does not lie to us. He's a faithful God. Even when we're struggling and we feel like God should hurry up and do what we want him to do, His timing is perfect. So let's pray. Hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you have given us, Father God, for your provisions, for your blessings, For the life that you have given us, for your son, Jesus, when he came down from heaven to die for us, Father. We ask that you look into our hearts and show us the areas where you want us to work on, Father. That we will be clean without blemishes until your son, Jesus, returns. That you help us along the way to make decisions with everything that we do. That what we have is yours and we don't lose sight of that. That we want to glorify you in everything that we do to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.